want to welcome you to church online. We're really glad uh, to have you join us today. Uh, this is obviously going to be a little bit different. You've probably already noticed uh, that there was no music uh, in this service, that we thought the last Sunday of the year it would be a good Sunday to just stop, pause, and have a conversation and reflect uh, on the year 2020. Uh, I've got Scott here with me, and uh, we have been both been told by numerous people that we are quite verbose uh, and we enjoy conversating. And so uh, we're, we're gonna have a good conversation today. Uh, this is just to kind of let you know, this is a prepared conversation, but it's not a manuscripted conversation. So when Scott and I prepare a message, we'll usually write down every word that we intend to say. Uh, we say other words, you know, we uh, stray from the manuscript, but uh, this conversation has not been manuscripted. It's been prepared, we've talked through it. Uh, but we're going to kind of go where the conversation leads and potentially even wade into some things that are a little bit controversial. So what we're asking for is just grace upon grace upon grace. And we've really been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, and, and we want to talk about what are some of the lessons that we've learned in 2020 uh, as leaders and, and just as people. And I think there's a lot of places that you could start, uh, but the place that I want to start is that uh, this year, I've really learned that the, the mission of the church continues, that despite it all, uh, the mission plows on forward. I'm reminded of what Jesus said uh, to his disciples in Matthew 28. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This was uh, sometimes called the Great Commission. This is Jesus' mission for the church. And a few years ago, we started talking about at Northwest, what does it look like to achieve this mission? And here's the statement we came up with, that we are a growing family, journeying together to be more like Jesus. This is our mission family, journeying together, life change, being more like Jesus. This is what we're all about. And so you think about all the stuff in human history that could have stopped the church. In the first century, there was a massive famine. Since then, there have been wars and persecution and difficulty and disease, and nothing's been able to stop the mission of the church in 2,000 years. And the truth is, 2020 is no different. COVID hasn't been able to stop the mission of the church either, that we've had to adjust our technology on a real basic level, but worship has been led, sermons have been heard, small groups and classes have gathered in a socially distant way. But even beyond that, uh, I just love how our church has served one another, that um, encouraging one another, helping one another, checking in on one another. You saw uh, encouraging signs going to people's yards early in the year, cookies and meals being delivered uh, for those that needed it, so many different cards. It's just been a joy pastorally, it has been a joy to me uh, to see the mission, mission continue uh, in our church. And in, in addition to that, I feel like the Holy Spirit's been really at work in our church. It's been a hard year, but a lot of times the Spirit does his best work in hard years. And so a lot of us have been stretched, our faith has been increased, and we are worshiping and knowing Jesus at a different level. The mission continues. Yeah, I mean, we're called to be more than than just a social club 
uh, more than a humanitarian organization, more than a force for change and, and crusading for social justice. Those things uh, are all really good things. You know, we, we talk about uh, participating in those things and what the church's role is in all those things, but the, the church is a lot more than any one of those things. Um, that, that, you know, that, that Jesus left us a mission you know, we don't get to decide. Uh, we don't get to wake up one morning and decide uh, today our mission will be this and then maybe tomorrow or maybe next week we'll, we'll shift uh, and, and go into a new direction with our mission. Jesus was clear about what the mission is and what the church is, is to be, um, that, that, that we're God's kingdom uh, here on earth and we're called uh, to live in the reality of the kingdom of God and, and everything that that means. Uh, honestly, not perfectly. We can't, we can't always do it perfectly and most of the time we, we fall short, but we're called uh, to, to live God's kingdom in this broken and fallen world. When has there been a greater opportunity for that in our lifetime than 2020 to illustrate the different, the, the, the difference in the kingdom? Right. I mean, what... Um, what an amazing thing that the church has been able to do. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot of churches do it really well. I, I know you've kind of bristled like, like I have at, at different times. You see it online about, oh, church has been canceled. And I was always like, uh, it's been moved online. Right. You know, and maybe it's semantics. I, I don't know. But I always, I always kind of bristled at that language because the mission does continue. It does. It and, does. And, and even maybe it has a little more meaning in a difficult season that the mission of demonstrating God's kingdom, uh, man, alive in 2020, to, to show what God's kingdom is all about and what it's really like is an amazing gift right. to our world. Well, and I think, that, I think that throughout this last year, you, know, you, you, you heard the struggle uh, as churches tried to figure out how to stay on mission, how to be the church when we weren't able to do things the way we're used to being able to do them. When we weren't able uh, to, to gather the way we're used to gathering. When we weren't able to, to have all the small groups or all of the classes or all of the, the, the different studies or, or, or kids ministry for, for a time and, and just trying to figure out what does it look like? How can we still be faithful to the mission when for months we weren't even allowed to, to be in the building? You know, what can we do? And, and I, like you, like I'm just really impressed with the creativity that people showed that that uh, you know just the the motivation to to not just wait and do nothing but to sh to check in on one another and to show uh, what to show each other how much uh, how much we matter to to each other um, to to love one another well uh, because you know like you said it, it, you know the vision of this church that we are family uh, that, that that you know the New Testament lays that out that that, that the church is a family. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're with each other through, through thick and thin. Well, it may be, maybe the pandemic has shown a little bit that globally the church has maybe become a little more Sunday-centric than it should be, mm -hmm. you know, in, in terms of showing up and seeing, for lack of a better way, saying it like a show, um, you, you know, seeing a presentation. Right. Uh, and and I, I think as we move into the next point here in a little bit, I, I think you're going to see community and gathering become more and more important. Yeah, well, because that's kind of, as we've been talking, that's kind of the second thing uh, that we've learned this year is just how important gathering is. Um, 
you know, w- w- when all this started, you know, the stay-at-home orders were issued uh, late in March, uh, back in the spring, and, uh, and we decided, like a lot of churches, uh, maybe most churches, uh, that are, are suspending our in-person gathering for a time uh, was the right thing to do. You know, based on the information we had and, and what we we're being asked to do, uh, we decided to, to suspend that gathering. But, but we felt at the time, and, I, and still feel, that not gathering at all would be a mistake, uh, and, and so, like a lot of churches, we explored options for, for gathering online, um, and we hadn't really done a lot of that uh, in, in the past. I mean, we had audio and things available online, but we hadn't done a lot of, explored a lot of online tools for gathering. We were just kind of in the, in the beginning of that, uh, and so we, we, you know, hurried in <laughs> to, to, to figuring it out. And so at first, we offered uh, sermons. Uh, we would record sermons and have them available, and, uh, and, and after a while, that didn't feel like enough, and so we started to ask musical people to, to record music and, and add that onto the sermon so that it had more of a, a feel of a full worship service, uh, but after a while, that didn't feel like enough, so we asked uh, people to, to maybe do an introduction or a welcome or to offer uh, some thoughts uh, uh, that we would put in the, the, the service as well so we could hear from even more voices. And after a while, that started to feel like that's not enough. And I, I couldn't put my finger on what we were missing. We kept trying to uh, change what we were doing and add to what we were doing. And, and I couldn't totally put my finger on it until we were able to gather in person again. Uh, our church did that in the middle of June. And that first Sunday that we were back in person, I realized it was the, it was the congregation itself that I was missing. I was missing seeing people's faces and, 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 and talking uh, to people in person, um, you know, real people to talk to and to sing with and to, and to pray with and to learn with, uh, because gathering is a big deal. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I, was, I was really surprised when we were home that there really was two elements of the service that where I really missed the congregation. One was singing, and I realized how communal singing is to me. Yeah. I, I, you know, you're, you're more of a music person than, than I am. And for me is, I like singing with my people. Right. You know, I, I don't listen to music when I'm driving around very often. But when I'm, when I'm with my people at church, I like to sing with, with them. Right. Uh, and then communion. Communion just was not the same at home for me. There is something about doing that as a church family that, that is so valuable and so important. Right. Well, and I don't think that, you know, I know I'm not saying, and, and I don't think that you're saying that, that we think that we made a mistake or, no, that, or that we I, should have, you know, ignored. The, I don't think we did make a mistake. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't think we feel that, that we made a mistake that, and, and we should have just kept gathering. I, I think we feel like we did the right thing. Um, but there comes a point when we have to gather again. There comes a point where we can't stay away. And, and that's one of the things I think in this last year that, you know, Hebrews, Hebrews 10 uh, verse 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That, that we are called scripturally not to abandon gathering together on a regular basis gathering for encouragement and for accountability and challenging one another to, to live better lives, to, to, to be more like Jesus, that, you know, there's a reason that our vision at this church is, is that we're journeying together, uh, that, that, that we do this together. We don't, we don't journey in isolation. We, we, we gather. Um, 
and isolation is dangerous for us. I mean, I know that you, your family went through some of that this year. We, we did, yeah. My, my dad, a lot of you know that uh, my dad passed away uh, about a month ago. And we had seen, he's been in a nursing home up in Michigan for um, about, it had been about two and a half years. And uh, this past January, they had kind of closed the nursing home to visitors for the regular flu. They did that almost every winter that he was there. And, and then there was like a one week window where he was allowed to have guests. And then the next week they closed down for COVID. Uh, and so my sister and I really had not spent any one-on-one -on -one live time with dad since last Thanksgiving. And we just kind of watched him deteriorate. You know, he had some uh, physical struggles to begin with, but we just watched it. Uh, the isolation was really bad for him. Uh, and and I, I hear uh, th that story a lot of how uh, people have deteriorated some uh, physically or mentally in isolation. And I'm, this is, do not hear, we loved my dad's nursing home. This is not a criticism of them because I don't have a better solution. You, right. you can't have COVID go through a nursing home. Right. I, I understand that you can't have that. Uh, but the isolation also was not good. And like I said, I have no better solution, but it is illustrative, I guess, of the danger of isolation. Right. Well, and that, that we need to gather when the opportunity presents itself. You know, that's what looking back over this year, you know, I think sometimes the gathering, especially when you're in ministry and it's your responsibility to facilitate the gathering, to plan the gathering, it can get sometimes tedious. It can, it can sometimes feel repetitive. It can sometimes feel like maybe if we don't gather, you know, maybe I'm on vacation and, maybe the, and it's a Sunday and maybe I won't gather uh, on that Sunday. And this year, it's 2020, has taught me that when you have the opportunity to gather, don't take it for granted. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And you had talked about, you know, everybody's kind of making that decision about when they're going to regather yeah. based on health concerns and safety and their individual, um, uh, their individual ability to do that. But you, you were saying in the prep about encouraging people. I liked how you said that about encouraging people to have a regathering plan. Yeah. Like, you know, when I get the vaccine or whatever it is for them. Right. I, mean, I don't want to tell people when that is for them because that's an individual choice. Right. But to have a plan for when you can regather with people. Right. I like well, that, that I, a lot. I mean, I was, I was looking some this week back at, at Acts 2.42, you know, at, at what practices did the early church have when they were first meeting. And that description of the early church in, in Acts 2.42 through 47, I think it is, you know, that took place, the things that they were doing then, gathering together daily uh, in, in, order to, in order to, you know, hear the word and, and to, to partake in meals together, to, to do life together. That took place at a time when Christianity wasn't very socially acceptable, you know, that where eventually Christianity became illegal. Right. Where, where gathering publicly was illegal, where there was, even when there was a risk of, of, of death or, or being arrested, and, and yet the early church continued gathering. And I, and I think that shows just how important it was to that early church that they, that they gathered together. Now, we have some tools they didn't have with, with being, you know, have, uh, having online and digital and having the internet that allows us to gather in a little bit more socially distant way when it's necessary. But I guess my point is, when it's not necessary, let's not take it for granted. Let's gather in person as much as we can. Because we were, we were seeing that nationally as a church before COVID, 
that the average attendance in a month of church had become one and a half times. Yeah, it's about one every three, one out of every it, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, and so you were seeing um, a, a decreasing commitment to gathering. Right. You think that's going to reverse? I hope so. I mean, we're very busy. You right. know, we, we, we like to keep ourselves very busy. We're, we're, we're very committed. We have lots of things going on in our lives. And, and sometimes gathering uh, on a Sunday um, doesn't take priority. But, but, I mean, to your point earlier, m- maybe that just means we need to have more opportunities for gathering. Yeah, because you and I, I know you feel the same way that I do. I've never been a legalist on it, you know, that you have to, you know, every time the doors open, you know, I was kind of raised in that environment, right. you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, <laughs> right. you know, custodian was cleaning the building. We took up our pew and watched, you know, that, that sort of thing. We, we were there a lot, yeah. you know, we just were. Uh, and I understand culturally that's not the way things are anymore, but I see, I see the value of that in my childhood. Right of having our people. These are our people that we're going through life with. Right. And so we saw them regularly, and that's kind of gone away yeah. in well, our I, culture. I mean, there, there are over 100 one another statements in the New Testament alone, and almost 60, 59 of them specifically relate to how we're called to treat one another. Love one another, be devoted to one another, not one another live in harmony with one another, care for one another, serve one another, you know, show hospitality to one another. And these are things, a lot of them, I mean, some of them I feel like those are things that you can do from a distance, but a lot of those things are things that are really difficult to do if you're not gathering, if, if we're not around each other. And so I just don't think we can effectively do what we're called to do as a church if we continue a trend of gathering less and less and less. Right, yeah, and you know, some of those things, I mean, be patient with one another, you've got to be in an environment where your patience is being stretched right. to become more patient. Right. And, and so we want to run, when, someone, when someone's causing us to feel impatient, we want to run away from that, where the Bible would say, lean into it right. and learn to be patient. You know, yeah. this is an imperfect people that, that we're a part of, you know, starting with me and, and you. you know, we're, we're all imperfect. And those one another statements are so beautiful to me because the early church was imperfect too. Right. But they were called to lean into those imperfections, not run away from them. Right, yeah, to, to, yeah. to, to be together, um, you know, to be with one another, to be around one another. You know, that, that, you know, I know this is after Christmas, but it's Christmas time, and that's, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, that God leaned in. He leaned to, in. To be with his people, and he calls us to do the same, to, to follow his example. You know, in this year, 2020, is one of the, the, not the first times, but, but one of probably the most extreme times in my life about how we've had to have conversations about gathering responsibly, that, that what, is it, what does it look like to gather safely? What, not that we've never talked about safety before, because of course we do, but, but this year was a different conversation. Um, and a lot of that conversation this year was informed by uh, authorities outside of the church, uh, and, and so I think that's kind of maybe we want to move into kind of the next thing that we've learned this year uh, is, is what is that relationship, what does that relationship look like between the church uh, and, and then some government authority, especially in this last year, what has it taught us? Yeah, I think this is an element of the conversation that could be a little bit controversial, but it is important for us to think through this. Uh, it's the relationship between the church and the state. And there are two ideas here that I think 
can be side by side, but they create tension with one another. And, and the first is that the, the value that American freedom is a really important thing. That we, we, we need to be, the, the part of the American idea is that we are free to fully worship and make decisions that we feel are best. And Christians throughout history, they could have only dreamed of the freedom that we have as Americans. So that, that individual freedom that America is built on is so important. Now that being said, in the New Testament, Christians are called by Jesus on the regular to voluntarily, and that's an important word in this sentence, but to voluntarily lay down our freedom for the good of our brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, and the word voluntarily, like I said, it's super important that we're not forced to give up our rights. That's called tyranny. Right. We voluntarily lay them down for the good of others. Here's what Paul, Paul was engaged in an argument one time about whether or not Christians should eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Some Christians said, oh, you absolutely should never eat that meat. It was sacrificed to an idol. It's wrong. And some were going, man, it's, it's been redeemed. It's okay. It's not a big, big deal. And here was Paul's opening line of his argument. He said, be careful, however, this is 1 Corinthians 8, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block for the weak. I really love that line, that lay down your freedom for the good of other people. And I've been trying to source a quote that is in my head, and I, I thought it was by one of our founding fathers. I cannot find the source quote, but allow me to paraphrase it just for a minute. It says, the freedom that we have been given as Americans will only work if we are people of virtue. I love that. He says, otherwise, in our freedom, we'll, we'll destroy one another. Right. If, we don't, if we're not virtuous people, we will hurt each other in our freedom. Right. And so part of the American experience is that we would be people of virtue, and so we would exercise our freedom in an appropriate and good way that benefits the people that we are around. And, and so as Christians, we believe that Jesus is always leading us to virtue, uh, above all the virtue of love, and that he gives us the spirit who's all about virtue, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all virtues. Now, here's where I'm leading with all that. I feel like both those ideas took a hit during this pandemic. Um, I think at times our government has overreached uh, and infringed on the personal freedoms of people. Uh, I, I don't think it's been catastrophic, to be honest. Some people are really amped about it. Right. Um, I don't think it's been catastrophic, but I do think it's true that that element has taken a hit. Um, I was just personally uh, disappointed in our local government that they had uh, kind of uh, uh, issued um, a, a warning that they, they had intended to potentially find people that were in the community, including church, houses of worship, were mentioned that, that people could be fined uh, for not wearing a mask. And it just came right up to that line for me right. of, of personal freedom in relationship to the church. Right. It's the houses of worship that, that, right. that put me on edge. Um, and, and so I, I think that has taken a hit. Um, but I also feel like I have heard more Christians asserting their rights instead of trying to figure out ways to voluntarily lay them down for the good of others. Right. And so I feel like both of these ideas have kind of taken a hit uh, during a pandemic, and we are called to find ways to serve 
and love others, and at times, yes, voluntarily laying down our freedom for the good of others. Yeah, we went through um, in, in the youth ministry last summer, I think maybe it was, or two years ago, we went through First Peter. Um, and First Peter uh, is very practical, has a lot, of, a, a lot of advice for how to live when, uh, when, when what you believe isn't necessarily what the culture at large around you believes. Uh, and, and in First Peter chapter 2, Peter says, submit yourselves, again, make the choice voluntarily, right. submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, for it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Or, or I, I think I could insert government. Yeah. Authorities, right? right? Honor, honor the authorities. But I think that's important. I think that's, that, that is an important. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the, the, the governing authority. And I think that Peter gives us a, a way to live in freedom that makes sense. That, that, that this order of, the, you, know, you know, you need to use your freedom to show love to one another. You, in your freedom, you need to fear God. You need to be submissive to what God has called you to do. You're not free to just do whatever you want if you're, if you're a Christ follower. God has called us to certain things, certain beliefs and behaviors and actions, and, and he expects us to, to live in the way he's called us to live. Uh, and so we're not really free to live any way we want. Correct. Right? That's and, right. And, and then we're called to honor the authorities. Honor, honor the, you know, and Peter says emperor because that was the authority that he was living under, but honor the authority that you're living under. Honor them. Now, that doesn't mean always do what they say no matter what. Because your first priority is to fear God. To fear God, that's a higher priority. So, I mean, the, I think civil disobedience has a place in, in the life of a Christian. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to say that anytime any governing authority says anything, Christians are to just fall in line. Um, but I think when the government is not asking us to do things that go against the clear teaching of God's word, we're called to submit to their authority. And the argument, the argument that's been made in a lot of Christian circles is that asking churches not to meet does that? I have a hard time seeing it. Right. I, you know, we haven't fully talked about this, you and I, we've talked about it some, but I, I have a hard time seeing that government was doing that. Right. Now, there was a tension in my heart about what government was doing right. and about uh, the way they were reaching into uh, the, the church community specifically. Tell, That's tell, really the only lane I care about, to be totally right. honest. Well, I mean, but telling the church I, what they can and can't do yes. when they're together. That, I got a little uncomfortable, but I never felt like what was being asked of us was a, a full-on violation of God's commands. Right. It felt like it was walking the line sometimes. It did. It, the, the, the don't forsake gathering together, yes. that, that commandment in scripture, do yes. not forsake the gathering, uh, being asked to not meet, it, it, it came up for the line. My justification for some of that was that it was going to be for a season. Right. You know, it, it wasn't going to be a, a permanent 
thing. And a lot of people might not know this, I don't know, but um, during the 1900s pandemic, what was it, 1917? Uh, 19, 1918. Um, churches didn't meet then for a while either. Right. You know, and, and so it's not totally unprecedented that we wouldn't have those types of public gatherings. Right. So I was uncomfortable, but I wasn't, some pastors have really drawn a hard line in the sand that we won't do this. Well, because public safety is a, a government thing. I mean, I, honestly, that the government is, has responsibility to ensure the public safety and churches are public gatherings, you know, open to anybody. And so there is some overlap and in the overlap, there's some tension. Um, and as Christians, we're called to live in the tension. We're called to live in the tension between freedoms that were guaranteed by the laws of, of this country and sacrifices that we're called to make on behalf of other people as citizens of God's kingdom. Um, and in a lot of ways, it is, it is a real shame when, when, you, when you look back on the pandemic the last weeks or whatever, that one of the things that ultimately ended up dividing the church was a little tiny piece of cloth that went over your mouth, a right. mask. Right. I mean, that ended up being the thing that is one of the most divisive issues that I've seen in a real long time right. in, in the big C church. I thought our people were honestly really good about it. Um, but, but in terms of uh, Facebook and social media, I mean, it was a very divisive issue. And I think Paul's teachings on freedom solves the whole thing. Yeah. That not what do I want to do for me, what can I do for you? Right. So if me wearing a mask makes you more comfortable, then for your good, I should probably do it. It's not about me, biblically. Right. It's, not about what I, it's not about my freedom. It's about how I can love and serve you. I agree. And, but I think also on the flip side of it, if I believe that everyone should be wearing a mask and you're not, I shouldn't automatically assume that you, you are intentionally trying to hurt me. Correct. Because you may have a reason. You may right. have a medical reason. Grace that, should rule the day. Right, that you can't wear a mask. And so, so for my, whatever you're, what, however you feel about it, God calls you to show grace to the other person. Why do you think those things turn so judgmental? We're still seeing it. <laughs> I know. I mean, do, do you have a theory on that? That... Well, I think we're more judgmental than we've ever been. That's my theory. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, as, yeah. as a culture that... that Pre-pandemic? I do. Yeah, that you we know, just I, went... Yeah. I think... We, I, we, did, we did that sermon series yeah, on, on this. I, I'm being offended. I mean, yeah. I, th I think that, yeah, I think that we are... I've never seen us as a people, as a country, as a culture. I've never seen us so easily offended. Yeah. Um, and that's simultaneously the, hating judgment. Yes, and well, being yeah, judgmental. But, I've never seen. I've never seen someone say, like so, like double down so hard on accepting everyone, and then in the very next breath, being more judgmental than anyone I've ever really encountered. And I feel like it's all of us. You know, I right. feel like that's me too. That I I like to say that I accept everyone, but then when someone does something that I think like I can't believe they did that, it's so easy to fall into judgment immediately yeah that that i think they're wrong and how dare they and then i start to assume i know their motives right and, and so i can judge their motives too that oh they must you know hate me because they did that yeah pastor a pastor friend of mine got up to his uh church and said 
I'm angry about everything and I don't even know why I'm angry anymore. (laughs) And it was so refreshing to me to hear a public leader say that to, to his church because I feel like everybody in the room was able to identify with that statement. Because right. to, to your point, we are all feeling the anger. Yeah. We're all feeling the judgment. And we really need Jesus to heal our land it is really what we need. We do. I mean, we, 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 need, we need healing. Yeah. We well, need grace. And, and I, I think that, that kind of leads us into the next thing that, that we talked about in terms of lessons learned this year um, is, is looking at what fear does to us hmm. um, in in this last year. I mean, fear and I, I honestly justified fear in a lot of in a lot of instances. I think that COVID nineteen is obviously it's real. It's it's something that is a scary thing. Um, you know, you just you look at the numbers and and the way it's playing out. Still, uh, it's scary. And so I don't want to downplay that it's you know that we shouldn't that, that no one should be scared of it because it's nothing. That's not true. It's it's scary. Um, but you know, as, as Yoda said, uh, fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to (laughs) anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Fear doesn't lead us to good places. And so if we give in to fear and we just let fear dominate our lives, it leads us to bad places. And I think that, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, I'm quoting Yoda as funny, not as Bible, but fear leads to anger. I think we've all seen that this year. There can be very little doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, are, we are an angry people, and I, I think probably most of it would be tied to fear. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, Psalm 56 offers kind of an opposing point of view of that. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid, what can mere mortals do to me? And, and that, I think, is a, a perspective that we need to be reminded of in 2020. That, that when, when our faith is placed in the wrong thing, it leads us into fear. And fear, if we live in it, doesn't lead us anywhere good in the long run. That, that, you know, 2020, I think, showed all of us some of, that, that some of the things we've been trusting in aren't good enough, that they're just not adequate. Tr- trusting in your job, I mean, how many people do, do we know that, that have lost jobs this year? Um, trusting in, in a regular paycheck, uh, trusting in our health, um, trusting in our ability to travel uh, and go on vacations and take trips, uh, trusting in seeing family. I mean, the, around the holidays, especially, we feel this. Um, trusting in, you know, even things we take for granted, like going out to eat, you know, and just running out to the store. Like so many of those things that we take for granted suddenly have become very uncertain for us this year. And, and throughout this year, especially, I've seen people put their faith in in government leaders and in medical professionals and in scientists and in masks and in the results of an election and in the hope of a vaccine. And and while most of those things aren't necessarily bad things, I mean, we want we like we love our doctors. We want to 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 follow science. You know, we're, we're we are hopeful for a vaccine, but none of those things are strong enough to carry the weight of our hope. To, to, to completely put our faith in those things just misses the mark. They're not big enough. Uh, they're, they, 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 they're not things that, that are worthy of our trust. 
Yeah, I think it's really an interesting idea that if you think about it, fear and faith grow in the same soil. It's uncertainty. Right. They, they, they both have an opportunity to grow. And so when you face uncertain circumstances, your fear can grow or your faith can grow. Uh, it's just a matter of what you're going to feed, what you're going to water, what you're going to put your attention to. But they both, there's equal opportunity here. And so, we, you know, and I, I will admit, and I, I know you probably feel the same way, that at different points in this pandemic, I've been more or less successful at, at, at what's been growing. Right. There, you know, I would be lying if I said that there were not seasons of this pandemic when fear was not just growing, especially at the beginning. When I didn't, you know, I'd never had a national crisis that kind of hit where I worked and where, you know, and I've heard a lot of people say that, that in the medical community, that, I mean, for a while, a lot of people were laid off. Right. And I mean, we're not used to things hitting the medical community right. or the church community. And all of a sudden, a crisis is hitting where you live. Right. It, it grows. Uh, but the good news is that faith also has an opportunity to grow in uncertainty. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I want to I wanna try to water that seed and, and help that seed, you know. Um, through Bible reading and prayer and church attendance, all those things can help to grow that. Well, and it, I think that's so interesting, you know, that, that f- the similarities between faith and fear. Yeah. You know, that, that in, in uncertainty, when I don't know what's going to happen next, I, I have kind of a choice in how to respond and, and what, what, what I let grow, you know, faith or fear. And, and I think it's interesting because they are so similar that, that both faith and fear, you know, f- Faith is, we lost our lights. So it's 2020, right? You can't, we, right. We can't get through a whole thing without uh, something going weird. This is take two. So, so. yeah, so, so uh, faith, and, faith and fear, you know, faith is, is, we think of it as just believing, right? That we believe uh, certain things to be true. And uh, it's more than that in the Bible. That, that faith is... Uh, believing something enough for it to change the way that I act, mm. for, for, for it to affect my actions and the things that I do. And so, uh, and I think fear is the same. I think fear is really the same thing that, that in fear we also believe something enough for it to affect the way that we act. It's just that the way that we act in faith versus in fear is just so different. You know, when we trust, when, in faith, when we trust God, when we trust Jesus and we trust his word, it leads us to act in a certain way. In fear, when we trust that the worst thing is definitely going to happen, it leads us to act in a certain way. Right. Well, and I think, don't you think that this has been a uniquely trying time to figure that out? Because faith is not foolishness. Right. And so faith is not, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to, you know, uh, that's not faith either. You know, um, you know, I, I'm going to refuse to be careful, right. you know, that, that sort of a thing. Um, and, and sometimes I think faith gets kind of depicted that way. And so for every person, every person kind of has to make a personal decision about what their faith looks like during a pandemic to be wise, but not afraid. Yes. And that's hard. This, it is. This season has been more hard than anyone that I remember to figure that out. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about it earlier, you know, that, that fear does things to people. Yes. You know, that, that, that fear uh, and anger and, and hate, and man, we've seen it this year. 
You know, it started with a pandemic, but that just one thing on top of, on top of another all year long where, where we were just so quick to anger. We're so quick to hate. We're so quick to judging other people. Um, you know, the, just those lightning hair triggers that we've developed this year. And I, I think we just, we have to move away from fear and, and toward faith. You know, we, we, being angry about everything is just not a sustainable way to live. It's not. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like we've been building up to some of this fear response for before the pandemic. Yeah. That we've been a culture that has been trending toward the fearful for, for quite a while. And the interesting thing about this year has been, too, that, you know, we believe that there's a secondary thing if solved then our anger will go away. Right. If I get my way in the election, you know, once the vaccine's here, you know, you know, once I find a new job or whatever, right. you know, there's all of these things when what you're saying is exactly right. It is a spiritual problem. It's going to require a spiritual solution. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because, you know, all the way back to, to that verse in Psalms, um, if I trust in God, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Right. If my oh, trust that's, is, a, that's a good psalm. If my trust is in God, I can have hope and confidence and peace. Even when the world is falling apart all around me, uh, I, I can at least have confidence that God knows what he's doing, that God has a plan, and that, and that I don't, and it's not up to me. You know, I just, I'm just called to be faithful to God. I'm just called to put my trust in him. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, I think that kind of leads in a little bit to, the, to our last topic here. Of, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the role of a leader in a crisis, uh, that, that because of the election and because of the way that unfolded, um, we've been having kind of a national conversation about leadership mm-hmm. and what leadership looks like in, uh, in a crisis. And I think it's important uh, an important thing for us as Christians to consider, not just in a crisis, but at all times, how should we lead? Because we say it here all the time, but we're all leading someone. Right. Every single person watching this is leading someone. And so in a crisis, not in a crisis, we're going to talk about crisis because that's what this, uh, this sermon's about. But um, regardless of crisis or not, how, what does Christian leadership look like? So if you're a Christian and you're in any leadership capacity at all, you're leading at work, you're leading at home, uh, any leadership capacity at all, what does it look like to lead like Christ? And I would point out just a couple things, uh, and then you can kind of throw in on top of that, but one would be humility, that to lead like Christ, um, I want leaders around me that are humble. Uh, In other words, we are called uh, to serve others and to think about others above ourselves, that leadership um, Jesus talked about uh, that the Gentiles lord it over people. Right. Not so with you. you. You know, that whoever wants to be great will be the least. You know, whoever wants to be great will be the servant. So humility, uh, clarity, which has been hard during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want leaders in my life, Christian leaders, um, that, are, that are clear. Um, Cheryl will tell you uh, one of the worst comments I can ever get after a sermon for me is I didn't understand it. Right. I'd rather get I didn't like it than I didn't understand it. Right. Uh, I understand it. it. It is the ultimate 
uh, criticism of a sermon to me because I always want to be clear. And this has been a challenge for every leader uh, because the COVID story has changed so many times. But, you know, to, to be like Christ is to offer clarity. And then the Father's will, that the Christian leader is always seeking to know, understand, and pray about God's will. It is the most important thing to lead people to the will of the Father. Jesus, before he went to the cross, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, right. um, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So um, as, a, as a Christian and as a leader, as you're leading your family during this time, these are some things to consider about. What does it look like to serve my family well? What does it look like to be clear about what we're about as a family and, and what we're moving toward? And what does it look like to, to pray for God's will during this season and to seek after God's will? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think of, you know, what, the idea that Jesus came filled with grace and truth. I, I think in following the example of Jesus, you know, as, as our leader, that's really important to me, um, that I lead balancing grace and truth. So, so I think that a, a, a Christian leader is motivated by believing and, and acting in ways that line up with the teaching of Scripture, with the truth, and also by things that bring about the good of the people that leader is called to serve. Hmm. I, I think that a Christian leader needs to be motivated by the good of the people that, that he or she is serving. Yeah. Um, not, not at any cost. No, because sometimes that goes against public opinion. Yeah. You know, that hey, I'm doing this for your good. Right. You're not going to like it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and not, so, and, and not like I'm going to do things for the good of the people no matter what, because right. there, are, there are, you know, guardrails on that, and it's the truth, the truth of, of Scripture. You know, I'm not going to do things for the good of the people that violate Scripture, because ultimately I don't think those things would be for the good of the people. You know, the, the right. idea that, that God works all things for the good of those who love him, that doesn't necessarily mean that God does things that I think he should do because it would be good for me. It's God does the things that he knows are good for all of us, whether we really like them or not, God does the, the things that are good. Yeah. And so I think that as leaders, it's also important for us to do that as well. We, we, we need to do things that are for, for the good of the people we're leading. Um, and, and so we can't be selfish, uh, we can't be selfish as leaders. We lead for the sake of the people we're serving, not for our own sake. We, we don't lead to gain something for ourselves. Lead to give something. Yeah. And also you think about nationally. I think, I'm trying to think, in my lifetime, this might be like the most frustrated I've seen culture with like governmental leadership. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It, people are just really frustrated right now. But when you think about your frustration with national leadership, it's usually one of these things. They're not serving me. Mm -hmm. um, they're not being clear. I don't understand what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Or they're not interested in the Father's will. They're not interested in God's will. Right. They're not interested in my good. They're not being clear. Right. I mean, all the criticisms right. fit into those categories. Right. You know, And so it's a high call for us with our families to lead this way. That we sometimes want to point the finger at governmental authority, but we're not leading this way always. Right. And it's a good high call to remember that. Well, and the goal, the goal of any Christian leader should be to glorify God. Exactly. 
I mean, ultimately, yes, yes. we, we want to do what's in the best interest of the people, but not if it doesn't glorify God. I mean, the, the goal is to glorify God by leading in truth, by leading in love, by leading in grace, but everything that we do as leaders, leading our families, leading in our workplaces, uh, leading in our communities, our goal should be to glorify God. I really wish more had been written in the Bible on that idea of grace and truth, because I think that's a really interesting idea, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of thrown out there, and then you can study Jesus's life and see it, right. but the statement is just, you know, he came in grace and truth, and then we're moving on, it, you know? <laughs> right. I, I mean, it, it, it would be, because I, I want to be that person, I want to be that leader that leads that way, that absolute grace and absolute truth right you know it's a it's a good way to lead (laughs) yeah so we've been the joke kind of leading up to this sunday um has been that we just want to kick 2020 to the curb and be done with it you know (laughs) get out of here and um we want our hope to be in something bigger and better in in 2021 we want our hope to be in jesus and if 2020 has taught us anything i think it's that's what we need. We need healing, and Jesus brings healing, right. and we need him to be the center of everything we're doing. Right. Yeah, we, we, we need to stop settling for, for lesser things to, to invest our hope in, yeah. um, things that are lesser than Jesus, because they're constantly disappointing us, and we constantly end up frustrated uh, and angry and afraid um, but when, when we put our trust in Jesus, he doesn't disappoint us. He doesn't fail us. He doesn't leave us frustrated or angry. Um, he, he, he's our hope. Yeah. So our prayer for you guys is that you've had, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. And like we talked about on Sunday, that you celebrated what you were able to celebrate. You know, we're not asking you to celebrate the not good. We're asking you to celebrate the one who is good. And so I pray that you were able to have a celebration, even if it was different than what you normally do. Uh, and then a happy new year. We're, we're going to go into 2021, um, and uh, we're going to be the same family, journeying together to be more like Jesus that we've always been. And uh, I'm excited to see what 2021 brings. Um, it's got to be different and better, right? So we're, we're, we're looking forward to it and our trust and our hope is in Jesus. And we're going to, like I said, be the same family on the same journey with the same result, becoming more and more like Jesus because it's what we need and it's what our culture needs. Our culture needs to see uh, the kingdom of God right now. So uh, that's my prayer for, for you and for me. And what we want to do is I know some of you I got communion supplies and you're going to be receiving communion at home. What I want to do is just pray over communion right now and then I'll leave you guys to to do that at home. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus. We thank you uh, for his example of grace and truth. We thank you for uh, the leader that he was and is. Um, I want to pray for our church family. A lot of people are uh, struggling and hurting this year. Just pray that your joy, hope, and peace would be with them. And that in the year to come, we would be the same family on the same journey with the same result, becoming more and more like your son. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Happy New Year. And you can receive uh, communion together uh, in your homes.